Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. We are so, so happy to have you with us today, as we always are. I am Riley. I'm here with my incredible, fantastical co-host, Tova, and uh, we're going to have a slightly heavy topic today. However, it ends on a high note, so stick with us. Uh, Before we get into that, though, Tova, how are you today? What's happening? I am Good, because we are both capable of recording the podcast today. (laughs) And that has not been something that we could have done really since maybe last Monday. It's been about two weeks, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, physically, we were capable last Monday, perhaps. Possibly. Um, Maybe. But the kids (laughs) were home from school because it was a holiday. And then both of our weeks really took a turn, um, whether it was a MRSA infection or covid uh, migraines. And so yeah. I'm just excited that we are physically capable yeah. of being here and recording with each other. I agree. It is a nice change of pace. I will warn everyone. Uh, I may be coughing all the way through our episode today, but I will do my very best to uh, speak in my normal voice. We'll see what happens. Um, but on that note, fun, 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 fun. We are talking about uh, mental health today. And uh, not ironically, even just happens to be what we're talking about today. And um, Although it could be ironically, I guess it could be, not. it could be. But, uh, you know, as Tova said, the last couple of weeks, and I would argue, you know, several months have been um, a bit of a roller coaster around here for both of our families. And um, that's okay. You know, that's life. That's how life goes. But it is pertinent to the discussion today of mental health. And when we are talking about how is your heart and asking both ourselves that question and other folks that we know, it really must necessarily, I'm putting a lot of adjectives or words or whatever on this, um, has to include your mental health because they are both inextricably linked together. That was hard to say. Um, In the sense that your mental health really impacts your physical health. It really Mm. impacts your heart specifically. And on a more esoteric level, obviously your mental health comes into play when we're asking that question of how is your heart? Where are you in your, in your own personal universe? Um, So let's dive in. I did the research for this and I distinctly remember, because I did it such a long time ago, but I remember texting Tova repeatedly angry snippets of the things I was reading (laughs) Um, yes, so, you uh, you know, it was a very frustrating process of researching this topic only because some of the conclusions that were drawn were like, yeah, no kidding. If you are a female and you exist on the planet, you know, that that is what happens. And beyond that, the disparities between men and women in our health outcomes, in our, the way in which we are able to seek treatment all of these things um, is just extraordinarily frustrating and should not exist in a in a just world. But it does. So let's talk about it. Um, 
let's just start with what is mental health. Do you want to? I was going to say, why don't you dive wanna, in with a definition? <laughs> you know, I love a definition. Uh, so, you know, de- defining mental health is challenging because I think it's different for everyone personally. Um, but in when we're talking about it in, you know, sciencey terms, mental health is an important part of overall health and refers to a person's emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It involves how we think, feel, act, and make choices. And it's more than the absence of a mental illness. And I think that might be the most important part of what I say about mental health. Your mental health isn't just that you don't have depression or you don't have anxiety or you don't have bipolar disorder or whatever it is. It's, um, it's your mental health is essential to your overall health and quality of life, right? That's all part of the definition. Yeah. I mean, for me, not to boil it down to something very basic, although I guess breathing is, you know, a, a real, you know, base of that pyramid of life. Yeah. Fundamental. But, um, but for me, um, I know whether I'm in a good mental space or not based on how easily it is for me to take a deep breath. Yeah. And that is just a giveaway. And like, what, what do I need to relax in my body to be able to take a deep breath? And can I get a deep breath? Is there a pit in my stomach of fear or anxiety or anger that is preventing me from, and you know, those feelings are valuable and necessary, but if I'm, if they're stuck in my stomach, then I'm not dealing with them in in a healthy way. And so like, can I take a deep breath? Like that is literally, if I am able to take a deep breath, if I'm able to go outside and be like, it's a beautiful day and I'm going to take a deep breath or, oh, I love the rain. I'm going to take a deep breath. Then I know that no matter what else is happening around me, even if I'm having feelings of anxiety or depression or any of these things, I'm in a good place mental health wise. Right. Um, Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think a lot of us experience our mental health in our bodies and a lot of us are taught not to pay attention to that right? Like you're conditioned early on to sort of just push through whatever discomfort you might be feeling rather than like acknowledging, oh, I feel discomfort. What's causing the discomfort? I raised my hand, which no one can see (laughs) if you're listening to the podcast. And I've not sure I've ever raised my hand before in in the podcast because I was like, oh, me, I have something to say. Um, It's okay. It got my attention. I think women are conditioned from maybe not birth, but potentially from birth, but arguably at the very latest, when a woman gets her period, um, she is, if, you know, if a woman has her period, um, has a period, um, she is conditioned. And I would say, let's argue before. So anyone identifying as a woman who sees their mom or another female in their life who has a period going, oh, I have cramps, but I'm just going to power through, right? Like, you are conditioned. And also men see women do it. They ignore it a lot, but you were conditioned. I mean, how many times if somebody said, Hey, you know, are you okay? And you're like, Oh, it's just cramps. Well, like cramps hurt, man. And if you were sick, like if you had a stomach bug and your cramps were there because of a stomach bug, you would take the day off. Yeah. But so monthly, we are told that the the feelings in our body are not sufficient to take a break or listen to. Right. And the same could be said for any sort of mental health discomfort, right? Like if you say to somebody, you know what, I'm just not feeling like myself today. Um, I, I don't know, growing up, at least when we grew up, it wasn't like, oh, okay, we'll take a mental health day and relax. It was get over it, push through it, work, 
you know, do something else to take your mind off it. And while I do believe that distraction can be healthy, it is not healthy when it's your only coping mechanism, right? Like if it's yeah. the only thing you have to deal with your feelings, um, that's not going to, that's not going to work long-term. It's not going to be healthy for you. So, well, and I, yeah, I was just, I think there's a difference between like, you know what, I'm going to distract myself. I, I don't want to wallow today. I just need right. to get out in the world. I know when I'm out in the world, I'll engage with people and I'll feel better versus I'm going to put my head down and just ignore what's happening. Yeah. Very, very different experiences. And I think, um, often conflated, right? Like people generally confuse those things. And, um, that's, you know, that's not great for us. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the studies <laughs> that I read about women and mental health and physical health, um, and how they're related. We'll take a very quick break first. And when we come back, we'll dive into some of these studies about, you know, how it all connects and, you know, what it means for us. So we will be right back after the break, everyone. Tova here. I'll admit, when I think of a coach, I immediately think knee-high socks, whistles, and clipboards. Is it because I love Ted Lasso? Maybe. I mean, I think it's a good look for you, if I'm being honest. Thanks, I think. Anyway, that's not the kind of coaching we want to talk to you all about. True. We are talking about life and transition coaching, though I do still love a clipboard and a tube sock. Both Riley and I are lucky to have worked with incredible coaches throughout our lives. Before that, though, we struggled with where to start, believing in what coaching could really do for us, and, of course, putting ourselves first. Taking the leap and working with our coaches made all the difference. They gave us direction and support when we needed it most. Now, we are fortunate enough to be coaches ourselves, and we're excited to pay it forward. We can help you figure out where to start, create a roadmap, keep you accountable, and get to living your limitless life. Sounds pretty great. So if you want to figure out your next steps, check out our services at goboldlyinitiative.com services. We can't wait to talk to you. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back. And, uh, as I said, before we took a break, sorry, I like got, I was thinking I was going to cough there for a second, everyone. <laughs> As I said, before we took a break, we, um, we did some research into how your mental health impacts your physical health on a fundamental level. And while I think anyone who is in touch with their mental health is aware of these facts already, there are some staggering statistics related to women and mental health. I find them staggering. Um, only in the sense that it just shouldn't exist. Not that I haven't experienced it myself, but anyway, so many, 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 many studies show a link between heart disease and depression. So you can, you know, die of a, of a broken heart. Um, women are particularly vulnerable to both depression and heart disease. So if you've ever, you know, paid attention to any advertisements around, you know, what, what is the, what is that called? The red? I don't know. There's another, like not wear pink, but wear red program yes, for heart disease, for heart awareness, heart awareness, because women experience heart attacks actually at a higher rate than men. And they, and they have very different symptoms. So it became like a whole, a whole thing that, you know, was put out as a public announcement. Um, 
So we all kind of know that at this point, I think that women suffer from heart disease more often than men. It's the leading cause of death in women. And um, depression itself is twice as common in women than in men. So when we're talking about how your heart is, literally, if you are struggling with your mental health, if you have depression, if you have anxiety, if you have any of these sorts of um, influences in your life, it is very likely that it is impacting your physical heart well-being. Um, women with depression are two to three times more at risk of heart disease than women without depression, right? Like that's a that's a big amount. It's not a small thing that that we're talking about here. Um, so what does that you know what does that mean for us? Like. What what are we supposed to do as women who are more likely to be struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety and um, mental health concerns of that nature, right? So I think everyone probably already knows that women carry more mental load than men do. Um, but that's one of the big factors that comes, comes into play when we're talking about these things. Um, and it's it, it's just a lot of it comes down to cultural conditioning. Yeah. I mean, I think I was thinking as you were talking of, about how I wonder, I wonder if women, I do think certainly women do carry the mental load for society um, on average, but I was thinking about whether men are more depressed than we think because mm -hmm. they don't talk about it and they well, don't, they're not, yeah, they're not allowed to, right? Yeah. And they don't, they don't recognize signs. Um, but you know, for now, what we do know is women are very depressed <laughs> on average. Um, and like you said, it, you know, and these depression, it, and I think this is really important for people to realize is depression can come out as sadness. Um, but it can also come out as anger, right. It can come out as stress and anxiety, feelings of loneliness. It can come out as a variety of ways. And it, even with the same person and the same episode, it doesn't even have to be the same from moment to moment. And, yeah. you know, one day you can be like, I'm struggling with my depression. And the next day you can be like, I have depression, but I'm dealing with it. Like, and it, you know, and so it, it's very strange and a weird um, experience. And, you know, I think that it can be very confusing because we've said this before, like anger Anger is a great signal that something's wrong. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means that something's wrong. On the other hand, if you're getting angry over things and later you're like, I don't know why that bothered me so much, or I don't know why that was so upsetting to me. Like that is a clue that something's wrong. Still not necessarily wrong with you, but something's wrong and, and you need to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Like if you're feeling a lot of what you feel like is misplaced anger. Um, and so it, and, you know, I was reading a lot of your research and we talked about this last week in the reference to the physical, you know, sides being affected by mental health. Like we, we kind of looked at it from the physical side. Now we're looking at the mental side, but this, this whole thing, there's a study that was in the Lancet that you cite too, that shows that during high stress periods, the amygdala, which is associated with processing emotions is active and signals the creation of white blood cells causing an inflammatory response in your arteries. Like that's crazy. Like that's the last thing you need. You're stressed out already, man. 
Right. <laughs> and then you move into a period of inflammation in your body. And, you know, if you've paid attention to medical news at all, like inflammation is something that can cause a whole host of physical issues from, you know, from, um, oh my goodness, why can't I think of words today? Autoimmune types of, yeah. of syndromes to, you know, actual like heart disease. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and also I think, um, I know like in a kind of, well, at the time it felt like one of the hardest years of my life in hindsight, it was like <laughs> 2018 was just a warm up. Yeah. Um, but I got, I think I had strep throat and bronchitis. I think I'd strep twice and bronchitis once. And I mean, it was just like back to back to back and I was underemployed and it was stressful. And like, you know, I felt like I couldn't get a break and that added stress and then I would get sick. And then, and I'm yeah. like, I don't, I don't normally get strep throat since I was 12. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it makes it very hot, like very, very hard. And then I think the other thing is, and, and I don't know if you're ready to jump into this, but like, why are women more depressed? Yeah. Or, you know, so in the research, there's kind of a split between genders in terms of who experiences which mental health disorders more often, right? And women tend to fall on the um, depression and anxiety side, whereas men tend to fall on the on some of the other um, mental health disorders like uh, bipolar disorder or uh, personality disorders, things like that. Now, obviously, either gender can have any any of these mental health disorders, any right. gender can. Right. Um, but in terms of studies that have been done, this is what they find, right? Like they find that women are more likely to be depressed or anxious. Men are more likely to have, um, you know, uh, bipolar disorder, um, and things of that nature. So, um, why? Well, a lot, I'll just read to you what I, what I found because I don't want to paraphrase it. Um, Several recent studies have postulated a link between the high prevalence of depression and anxiety in women and the well-documented higher percentage of psychosocial stressors typically present in women's lives, especially women from minority groups, such as lower wages, disadvantaged social status and poverty, racial discrimination, and the unrelenting responsibility for the care of others. And I think all of that is, I don't think any one aspect of that is more important than the other. However, what I can speak directly to is the unrelenting responsibility for the care of others and the way in which we take on that responsibility beyond what maybe is um, expected of us, right? Like Tova, you and I were just talking about this of how it is hard to turn off that caring or taking care of aspect of our brains, even when it's beyond the scope of what we ought to be doing, right? Like yeah. when my friends are struggling, I feel compelled to fix it and to help them and to take care of things, right? That's beyond the scope of my, what I, what I can do in my life, right? Like I have a husband, I help, I have kids, I help, I have myself, I help. Now that doesn't mean we can't be there for our friends, right? We can, of course we can, but sometimes we forget about boundaries and we go beyond what is um, healthy, I think for us and for, for the people we're going beyond those boundaries. Um, well, and I think that's what it's really helpful to have a sarcastic friend. Yeah, she will be yes, like, yes, 
yeah, I don't know why you weren't helping me with my sad moments when your whole family had COVID. I mean, <laughs> that's really ridiculous. No, I, you know, I think, you know, you dealt with COVID last week. I dealt with a pretty significant, scary infection. And while I knew that I was dealing with the infection, I don't think I realized how sick I was Mm -hmm. for many days. And I wonder if I wasn't responsible for caring for other people and taking them places and birthday parties and soccer games and all that stuff. Would I have been sicker? And I don't mean actually sicker, but would I have felt the sickness more? Like what I've been like, oh my God, I really am. I'm not just tired because, because how often do you end a day as a parent and think, well, I'm tired because I ran around all day and you could be tired from something else and you don't even consider it. And so fortunately, you know, I am pretty good at staying on top of health issues and, you know, communicating with my doctors. And so I didn't ignore the infection and it got treated, but it required surgery and it requires lots of antibiotics and all that good stuff. But I do wonder, you know, had I not been parenting, um, you know, what I've, I don't know, felt, felt the illness more because the yeah. doctors were surprised that I did not feel the sickness more. Or even beyond that, would you have more rapidly responded to it? Right. Like even. Right. When we have all of these responsibilities, when, and when we are stuck in a scenario, not stuck, when we are in a scenario wherein we're the caregiver, right? Like we're the person in charge. It's very hard to stop and, and do anything for yourself. And it's not a, it's not a, like a fill your cup up so you can pour it out for everybody else kind of thing. It's like, I have to survive this day and therefore I will just keep going. Well, it's, you know, last Monday night, I was texting with a friend and I'm like, I'm really stressed about this. And he was like, well, what are you stressed about? And I said, well, I I don't know where my kids are going to go. Like I'm Googling here and it looks like maybe I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And if I have to get IV antibiotics and surgery, and then what, what I need someone to watch my kids and blah, 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 blah. And fortunately I was able to outline all my concerns. And then I was like, oh, I can find somebody to do these things. But it, the stress was not needing to sit in a hospital and get IV antibiotics. Right. It was not getting surgery, which up until the big surgery in the summer, I had not had surgery until since 2009 when I broke my nose. Right. So it's not like I'm like an old hat at surgery here. But those were not things that I was concerned about. It was who's going to get my kids from school? And then they have this practice and this and this. And then who's going to be there for dinner and what's going to be dinner. And then who's going to stay overnight with them. Like, so I think that a lot of times the weight of the unrelenting responsibility for the care of others, um, is so takes up so much space that we aren't even processing, you know, what maybe something that we should be stressed about and like in a healthy way. Like, oh, I have a big surgery coming up. That seems stressful. Um, And then I just, I want to highlight what you said about, you know, minority groups and, you know, women of color. Um, If you have ever, you know, had low wages, if you've ever experienced wages where they aren't covering your family's rent and food and whatever it might be, and, and, and maybe it's not even that extreme. Maybe it's just that like, 
you know, when the, the school parents say, Hey, you need to give $25 and you don't have the $25 to give and you want to give, you want to participate, but you just can't this month. Right. And the, and, and, you know, but maybe it is food, maybe it is rent. Um, or, and you're, so you're not making enough money. And so your, whether it's social status and poverty, um, and I think a lot of people we know in our country live, you know, above the poverty line, but the poverty line is too low. Right. And um, that amount of stress, when you cannot take a deep breath, there were years that I could not take a deep breath because you can't deep breathe that stress away. You can't. Now, I think deep breathing and meditation and all of these things can help handle yes. the stress. Yes. But they don't put money in your bank account. Now, right. listen, we can talk about manifesting and that's a whole other conversation. And and I do believe that that you can actually, that it can happen. But for the fact of the matter is, no matter how many deep breaths you take, it does not fill your bank account. It does not help you pay your rent. It does not fix your car if it's broken. And so, um, as we know, women make less money than men. Women of color make significantly less money than men, black women, especially. Um, and they have to deal with discrimination every day. And I read an article, I don't know if it was an article or just a commentary, you know, I don't remember any of the stuff. Um, but a woman, it was a, a group of black women were having a conversation as to whether they had experienced any racism over the previous three months or six months or something. And it was interesting because I think they were in California. I mean, it wasn't like, although there's racism everywhere. I don't know why I would say that. Um, But I think what was interesting was they hadn't, but they still recognized that the stress of always being ready, always being prepared, always looking for it and being able to protect their kids or do what they needed to do was always there. Right. So even though they didn't say, you know, oh, someone called me this or, oh, I felt this kind of tension or this type of discrimination, they, the tension from knowing that it exists and they have to always be on, always be prepared. Right. Um, was an incredible mental and physical stressor for them. Right. And so, and by the way, that doesn't matter what your social socioeconomic status is. Absolutely. Uh, Yes. Um, and so, you know, these are physical stressors or these are mental stressors that turn into physical stressors because your body cannot relax. Right. And, and, and it's generational. It's yes. an inheritance, unfortunately, that gets passed down from one generation to another. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And, um, you know, part of, I think part of the stress involved in all of this is that when you are a woman and you finally have time to attend to whatever ailment you might have, whether it's physical or mental, um, you are often not believed, right? You often go to a doctor and they either downplay your experience or tell you there's nothing they can do or just, you know, to honestly just tell you it's not real. Right. Um, and I highlighted this in the, in the notes, but there was a study that showed 72% of women say they've experienced medical gaslighting. Um, I know I have, and that is devastating. 72% of women, right. And if 
you haven't experienced it, maybe you didn't even realize it was happening because you were just downplaying your own symptoms, whatever they might be, right? Like I'm at the age where, you know, menopause is coming, right? And I know when I talk to doctors about it or, you know, symptoms I might have or feelings I might have or, you know, mental health concerns I might have, so many of them tell me, well, that's just a part of aging. Uh, Okay, right? Like that's not an acceptable answer. It's not acceptable that as women, we have to just grin and bear it and then continue to take care of all the things we already take care of as if nothing's happening. Like that's not reasonable. And so, you know, there's just a couple more um, statistics I want to put out there Mm -hmm. from, from the research that I did. Um, I think important to note 25 to 37% of patients of color were less likely to receive appropriate treatments for blood clots, suggesting even greater effects of medical gaslighting for women of color. Even Um, Sabrina Williams, by the way, just as an aside, she knew she had a blood clot condition after she had her first child. She was struggling. She was in pain and she had to lose it. I mean, I don't know what she had to do, but she had to really advocate for herself. Right. Um, And it's like, if you don't believe Serena Williams, who are you going to believe? Like, who knows their body better? Right. Um, You know, women's symptoms are often attributed to stress hormones or depression, as if depression is not a medical condition, right? Hormones or stress. Or stress. Um, And I think, you know, this just, this particular statistic, I think, highlights the problem. It takes on average 10 years for women to be diagnosed with endometriosis because doctors don't recognize the condition or know how to treat it. Endometriosis is incredibly painful. Um, And so if a woman goes to a doctor and says, this is what's happening, she is in significant amounts of pain. I know personally, I went to the emergency room because I had a, uh, an ovarian cyst and it burst and it really hurt. And I have a very high tolerance for pain. And they were like, I think you're fine. Also, here's some Tylenol. Um, that's not that's not an appropriate treatment for a woman's pain, right? Like that's not an appropriate treatment I mean, for anyone's yeah. pain, frankly. No, and and let's also think. Um, oftentimes, when a woman is struggling with endometriosis, it's also when they're potentially trying to have a baby, right? And so they're trying to get off birth control. And oh, by the way, one of the treatments is going on birth control. And, you know, and it, there's certainly not enough research because then they have to go off and then they're afraid, you know, it's, I was just talking to a nurse about it the other day and she's going through that process and, and there just is not enough attention. And I thought we lived in a world where, you know, we want people to have babies and here are women who want to have babies and, you know, they don't, the medical fields have not put enough research into figuring out how to treat it and take care of women and listen to women. And I'll just say a little anecdote. So um, Riley was there for my first appointment with my surgeon and we had to pick a, a plastic, uh, plastic surgeon. What is it called? I can't think of it. Yeah. And plastic yeah, that's it. Um, so we had to pick, we had to pick one and we, our first choice was somebody who apparently is very good, but, um, he, he's a like direct talker. Like he's pretty straight talk and he's just going to tell you how it is and stuff. And he sounded not pleasant at all. And we did not pick him. And then we ended up picking this this fourth doctor. And I met with him two days later. And so it was like kind of a test to see if I liked him. And he he was telling me all the horrible things that can happen during surgery. 
And one of them, one of the byproducts of getting an implant after, you know, with reconstruction, um, which I will, you know, eventually be doing reconstruction. Um, he said, one of the side effects or one of the things that can happen is that a woman will feel sick when she has the implant. And, and he said that they can't find anything physically wrong, but the woman just is, does not feel well. And he said, and these are smart women and we trust them. So we take the implant out and they feel better. And I was like, all right, you're it. That's it. That's all I needed to hear. Like that statement, because (laughs) I was like, oh, so you're going to validate how a woman feels. That's interesting. That's an, you know, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I was played. I don't know. I, I haven't been, he seems to be right on top of it, but the fact that a doctor saying they're smart women and we trust them. So we listen to them is a reason to go to a doctor. Um, every doctor should say that (laughs) every doctor should be like that. That should not be an aberration. That should be how the medical field is run. Yeah. Um, but clearly it's not, (laughs) no, not at all. And, And then one more thing, and I know we have to keep going, Yeah. but, um, I know I had talked to you Riley a lot about a, uh, the podcast, the retrievals. And I think I may have mentioned this last time, but I'll mention it again because I have no recollection of anything I say over the last few weeks. Um, and but one thing they talked about, I highly recommend the retrievals. It's from the creators of Serial and the New York Times. And it's a short, like five or six episode podcast. Um, but one thing they talk about at the end is that some of this medical gaslighting, but also that the standard of care for women is so poor that it is hard to prove medical malpractice because doctors can get it wrong time and time again. They can, a woman can present at a hospital with um, a heart attack symptoms and they think she has a panic attack. So they send her home. Then they try to, you know, she has a heart attack at home. They sue and the doctors did everything they were supposed to do because that's the standard of the care. Because the standard of care for women's medical care is so bad that it is hard to prove bad medical care, which, you know, that's just enough to make my head explode. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing good about that. No. Um, We do need to take another break. Uh, And then when we come back, we will uh, maybe lift our spirits a little bit about what we can do to um, protect our mental health and improve it. So everyone enjoy the break and we will be right back. Know what I really love to do? Uh, take baths, go for walks, read, drink margaritas, hike. Yeah, not what I was referring to. You know we're recording a commercial right now. I do, but I'm thinking outside the box, being adaptable. As I was saying, what I love to do is host our live monthly workshops. (laughs) Oh, right. That's what we were talking about. Me too. They are a lot of fun to put together and host every month. And we can bring margaritas, so... Join us for live conversation as we get a bit deeper into topics near and dear to our hearts. We go through everything from self-care to setting boundaries. We share coaching tips, practical advice, and take questions from the audience. It's a whole lot of fun. Sign up for our newsletter today at goboldlyinitiative.com slash contact to make sure you hear about all the upcoming Go Boldly workshops. You definitely don't want to miss out. Now, back to that show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And uh, as promised, 
before we took our break, we are going to move on to some constructive ideas about how we can protect our mental health and how we can improve our mental health. And obviously the first point is therapy. Um, and not just any therapy, like good therapy, right? I, I'm sure I've said this before. I'm sure Tova said this before. Finding a therapist is like dating. You have to try several until you find one that works for you. And even when you find one that works for you, it may turn out that in a couple months, weeks, years, whatever, they don't work for you anymore. And that is all okay. But um, don't just settle for somebody giving you, you know, advice that doesn't resonate also. So, and don't give up just because you, you know, if you have two bad experiences or whatever, um, you know, keep looking. I, I certainly had to look a long time until I found the person that was, that was good for me at the time. So therapy, we approve it. Uh, <laughs> that's my infomercial on therapy for today. Well, and just as an aside, therapy can be something that you do every week for years and years and years. It can be something you can do, you know, five weeks as a reset yeah. or a check-in. You know, I think a lot of larger companies now and insurance companies offer those like five or six week sessions. Um, so it doesn't, it's not like you go to a therapist and you're with them forever. Right. Um, even if you love them, like it can be a variety of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously we also suggest finding life coaches. Um, and I don't mean like somebody to tell you just to tell you like, these are the things you should do every morning, right? I mean, somebody to be your cheerleader, to hold your hand through things, to walk next to you as you're going along on your journey. Um, I think there are a multitude of types of life coaches out there mm -hmm. um, or coaches in general who could help you with any number of things. So when you have a chance to figure out, you know, in all your spare time, and uh, the time you can take off from the relentless caregiving that we all do, figure out like what your next steps are and what kind of coach might make sense for you. If you need help, obviously reach out to us. We're happy to help you figure that out, even if it's not us. Um, you know, it's it's important for everyone to have the opportunity to figure out what works for them. So those are like the two top things. And then I think the most obvious thing, of course, is self-care. And we mean real self-care, not just like what people try to sell you on Instagram. Um, so Ooh. go ahead, Toa. I was just going to say, um, yes, I mean, I want to talk about self-care, but in a very timely uh, sort of text, right like 10 minutes before we started recording, I got a text from a friend who said, I'm sitting in my parking lot at my office and I don't want to go in, LOL. So tired, rough month stressed husband, demanding climate clients, ugh, can't I just play hooky? So I wrote back and said, well, maybe not today because she probably has appointments and stuff, Right. but can you play hooky one day soon? And I said, or take 10 minutes now and like plan a mini vacation in your head, like no limits with kids, money, work, just like plan a vacation for to set a timer. And then she said, that's a good idea, but it requires um, brain power. And I said, okay. I said, then just go on Coastal Living's Instagram account and like set a timer for five minutes, take some deep breaths, look at the pretty pictures, don't feel guilty and call it self-care. And she said, thanks. You know, like, I yeah. think, you know, I, we're going to list a bunch of things and, and, you know, you have to fix what's feel what's right for you. But I think that one thing we need to remember is self-care can't be like a vacation for a week once a year. Right. Um, but it also 
you know, it doesn't need to be six weeks of vacation. It can be five minutes a day of scrolling your favorite vacation Instagram account, as long as it makes you feel better. Like don't be scrolling one if you're like, oh, I wish I had the money or aren't there's pretty people and I wish I was thinner. And maybe when that, like, if it makes you feel good, like literally just pictures of the ocean for me. Yeah. Um, that can be self-care. Like it, it doesn't have to be huge. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think we talked about this in our women's circle this, this week, last week, mm-hmm. it's all blurring. Um, and it can, honestly, it can be just rituals that you have in your life or routines that you have in your life that help you feel good. Like if I don't have at least my 10 minutes of coffee and reading whatever I'm reading at the moment in the morning, I'm like not happy most of the day. I need that ritual of that time. And maybe sometimes I'm snuggling a kid. Maybe I'm not. It. The whole point is that I'm sitting there. I'm taking my, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm not just like chugging it down so I can get where I need to be. I am experiencing it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am being intentional about the act of drinking the coffee and what does it taste like? And what does it smell like? And how do I feel? And I, it, it may be five minutes. It may be an hour, you know, if I get lucky one day. Um, but it's very important to my personal self-care that I do something like that. So, you know, yours might be, you buy, um, those aromatherapy shower steamer things. And like once a week, you make sure you have a 10 minute shower with one of those steamers in it. And you can just ignore everyone in your household. Like, I don't know. I, I, it could be anything, but find something that feels good to you and allow yourself the gift of that experience. Yeah, I think um, some other ones, and and these should not be self-care. These should be like care, yeah, like, you know, maintenance. These are like oil <laughs> changes. Yeah. But um, regular exercise, eating regular meals, drinking water, um, making sleep a priority. All of these things are like basic. basic. Like <laughs> these are... These are not self-care. I'm going to take them out of the self-care list. They're required for good mental health. Yeah. So in that sense, they are self-care because they are required for you to, for you to maintain good mental health. You need to get, move your body, whether it's stretching on a YouTube video, going for a walk around the outside of your house. I know during COVID, my manager at the time, he would set up every once in a while, we'd have one-on-ones where he didn't want us to be in front of computers and he wanted us to do a one-on-one on a walk. And because my kids were stuck inside, I literally just walked around the house. Um, but, um, you know, eating regular meals, like once again, this is not self-care in the like fancy, this is not leveling up. This is the bottom of the pyramid, but we yeah. really need to do it. Right. Um, and, and not only do we really need to do it, we need to recognize that so many of us are not doing it yes. and not making time for these things and not taking care of our fundamental basic human needs. And many of us look at these things and go, well, I just don't have time, right? Like I can't possibly eat regular meals because I'm chasing kids and I'm helping my parents and I am working a job and I'm cleaning up, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I've got to run errands. And so thinking like, well, how am I supposed to eat a regular meal becomes stressful and it becomes overwhelming. And what we're saying is like, we have to we have to, you know, back the truck up a little bit and look at where our priorities are and what kind of help we have in our lives and how can we make that situation better. Also, so here's just just some fun ways to eat meals. Like, um, 
first of all, like, and I, I've read about these like pizza dinners or whatever, but like have friends over, order pizza. Yeah. Sit down with them. <laughs> like you'll feel like you're entertaining, but you're really just sitting down with friends and order a salad because then it's balanced. Um, and, but the other thing is, okay, we understand that you have 87 practices, 97 kids, pool or piano. And even, let's say even you don't have kids, you have dogs and spouses or partners and responsibilities at work. Step one, stop eating, standing up. Like that's it. Just stop eating, standing up, put it on a plate. Like don't eat out of the food's original container, get it on a plate and sit down. It can be a paper plate. I mean, it can be a paper plate and it can be sitting down on the ground while you play a game with your kids. Yeah. And like, we're environmentally friendly, but we're also like parent friendly. Yeah. Realistic. Um, so, so that, that is like my goal. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like we, cause I think when someone says eat healthy, balanced meals, suddenly you're like, okay, so I need a beautiful green salad and I'm going to have a roast chicken and the the asparagus. And somehow magically my kids are going to eat all of these things. We're all going to sit down and they're going to help set the table. And then they're going to help clean it off. And we're going to have this beautiful music. And we're all going to talk about what we're grateful for. And if you do that, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, the way to go, like, um, I'm going to pretend that you like have everything else in your life falling apart. So I don't feel so bad, but like, (laughs) I'm um, just assuming you have extra help. Yes. There you go. Um, but you know, like so many times we don't do something because we can't do it as well as we want to do it. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like you're eating a healthy balanced meal could be, all right, I don't like to eat late. So I'm going to try to shoot for dinner before seven and I'm going to do it sitting down and it's not going to be out of the same container that it came in. Right. And like those basic requirements, it it's, it could make a really big difference versus standing up at the counter at eight o'clock, leaning over the sink, eating out of a container. Right. Like, and you're eating the same food that was already in the container. So like, we can do this. We can, we can do this, but these things are, we're calling them self-care. They're just care. They're just existing at base level. Um, some other things you can do. And we've talked about this is, um, practicing gratitude. Um, yep. It, it is a practice. It can be done throughout the day. There's apps. You can write it down. But reminding yourself of daily things that you're grateful. And I would encourage you, I encourage my kids when we do it at night, not every night, just so anyone knows, because we sometimes just have to go to bed. But um, don't just say um, family and, you know, health and home. Right. Um, unless you just got into a home or unless your health is a concern. Because I really ask my kids to be very specific about something they're grateful that happened that day. And, and I think that's where the magic sort of happens with gratitude is if you can say, Oh, we got to sing this one song in music class or, and, and so if you can say like, I just went for a walk a little bit and I ran into a friend who I've been meaning to see and text, like, I'm grateful that I bumped into him. Right. Like that can be what I'm grateful for that day. And cause I am grateful for my home and health and family. Um, so, so try to do the little, the nitty gritty and, and when things are really hard and really stressed, sometimes the big things are harder than the little things. So it can be really helpful to, you know, you can be thankful for your cup of coffee every morning, no matter what. I am thankful for it because frankly, I didn't always get that time to myself in the morning. Like when my kids were younger, it was way harder to sit there and do that. So while I'm like partially sad that they're aging, 
uh, I'm also thrilled because I get that time to just sort of relax and prepare myself mentally for the day. Um, I think another really important self-care tip that people don't think of as self-care is to set your goals and priorities, right? To like think through what has to get done now, what can wait to, you know, set boundaries around those things to say no when you need to say no and yes, when you really want to say yes. Um, and I read this in the research and found it to be something I hadn't thought about. And well, I've thought about it, but not in this way. And, um, I think it's really valuable and that is to be, try to be mindful of what you've accomplished at the end of the day, not what you haven't done. Right. Like a lot of us at the end of the day, we make all a whole big list of all the stuff we meant to do that day and didn't do. Um, and while it's important, you know, in, in the sense of you have to keep track of these things and you want to make sure you get stuff done that you need to get done. It's also like a really negative outset or mindset to get into at the end of the day to say, well, I didn't do these 15 things and ignore the, you know, 25 things you did do or whatever it is. Um, so I really liked that advice and I think I might take it a step further and, remind myself at the end of the day, like to make a list of what I did that day that I feel good about. Right. Like, and even if it is, I took a walk and I had coffee and I, you know, wrote 500 words, whatever it is, I think it it will help with that gratitude practice Tova that you were talking about as well, because Mm -hmm. then you're really focusing on, you know, what happened today that worked for me as opposed to like, what didn't I get to? Um, the other, yeah, I would also, and I, I mean, I struggle with this because I never want to be like, look at all the things I did. Like, look at what I'm doing because it's just things that I do, but like, okay, we're recording this. It's 11 o'clock this morning. So I got up, I helped my kids with their lunches. I helped get them breakfast. I helped get them dressed. I took them to school. My one son forgot a folder. He never forgets anything. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take it to him because he's had a busy two days and it'd be stressful. So I walked it over to the school you know, and then I came back and then I took the trash out and I pulled in the trash can. And those are not things, none of those things I put on a to-do list, not a single one of those are things that get on my daily to-do list because they are just done every day. Right. And yet that's a lot of stuff, man. Like, <laughs> and that's not even, I, and like, so if I were, if someone said, well, what do you accomplish today? Well, I didn't even get to my to-do list yet. Right. And it's, it's like, what? That's crazy talk. And so, and it can be crazy making, frankly. Yeah. Um, like the it's literal, not, 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 like, not good for the mental health. No. <laughs> not and so I don't know how to capture that stuff. I don't know if I'm just going to put like parent on my to-do list each day. So I get to cross it off because I don't want to sit and be like, boys, did you see everything I did? But like, I, I want to acknowledge it. Like, I want to acknowledge that that was a lot of my day thus far and it was necessary and productive and right. successful. Like everyone got to school before it started. One of That's them got win. to band at 740. <laughs> I think um, I do like focusing on those things because especially as someone who works from home, just like you, like sometimes I forget what I do all day long and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't done anything. And like you just enumerated, you know, 12 things that you did. Um, I'm, I'm in the same boat and it's important to credit yourself, right? It's important to celebrate your own abilities and whether you think those things are important or not, 
um, somebody does, like your kids think it's important that you get them to school and that they have lunch to eat and, you know, that they're dressed, maybe all nine, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But regardless of all of those, you know, outside influences, celebrating yourself is a good thing. Saying to yourself, high five, I did the morning routine. I got everyone where they needed to be. And, you know, it, it all worked out. Like that's worthy of going on a list. It's worthy at the end of the night to say to yourself, I'm proud of myself. I did the best I could today. These are the things I did. And I'm proud of that. Like that, that's a good thing and a good habit to get into. Um, one of the things on the self-care list that I, I have a love hate relationship with is this idea of focusing on positivity. I hate it because it gets, um, warped. Like people, I I hate to say it this way. People do it wrong. Um, (laughs) such a terrible way to say it, but I can't think of the right words I want. Um, when I say focus on positivity, what I mean is combating negative thoughts, right? Like I mean, combating the negative inner monologue that some of us have and even the outer stuff that comes at you from other people, like combating that is what I mean when I say focus on positivity. I do not mean pretending that, you know, everything's okay or finding the silver lining in every single bad thing that's ever happened in your life, because I don't think that's healthy. Um, so that's also on the list, but that's, that's my feelings. I have been thinking about this a lot because I've been struggling with, like, I do actually have a positive attitude, but also like, I'm trying to feel my feelings and, and just cause I feel them, my positive attitude doesn't go away. And it's been all kind of a confusing thing. Yeah. But what I've been thinking about it more is having perspective mm-hmm. and, and it's not a, it could be worse perspective. It's just perspective. And, um, someone told me the other day that like this, because this, this infection and surgery has really mentally been a a quagmire for me. And, um, so someone said, you know, it feels, you know, big, but it's, it's a blip. It's going to be a blip on your journey. And so I've just reminding myself and I'm not saying I've been, and, and the way I've been saying it is it feels like a blow but I know it's just a blip. So like I'm letting myself feel the feelings of it being a blow, but I'm also recognizing that in the long term of this journey and these surgeries, it is a blip. It's a, a something I'm going to look back on and be like, Oh, remember when that happened? Yeah. And like, so I can, so it's allowing me to sort of see the forest through the trees. Like I can still focus on the tree. I can still feel the bad feelings and the big blow of it but I can have the perspective of knowing it's, it's a blip. Right. And, and that has helped immensely. Um, and I think, you know, this sounds awful, but like when you're having a bad day, remembering that you've survived every bad day of your life, like, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you need to be a positive, have a positive attitude. It, it just means like, I'll get through this because I've gotten through right. every other one. And at some point I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up and tomorrow's going to be new. And maybe it's going to suck just as much as today, but maybe it won't. Yeah. It's, it's so my habit is to remind myself that nothing lasts forever. And it, it, it comes across as a negative statement, but I don't mean it that way. Right. Like I, I just mean whatever is happening right this moment is not going to be happening in most likely five minutes, but even like, 
a day, a week, a month, a year. Um, there is no permanence. And so part of why I embrace change personally so much is because it helps me remember that it's not always going to be good or bad. It's like whatever I'm dealing with at any given moment won't last forever and I'll get through it um, or I'll thrive in it or it'll just be neutral. Whatever it is, it's it's not forever. Um, and that can be really scary, I'll be honest with you. But it also is uh, freeing in the sense that you know that even if you're suffering, right? Like last week was horrible in my household. I had my migraines. I had two kids with COVID and a husband with COVID. And, uh, you know, I was trying to work and my mom was sick. Like there was just, it was a mess. Um, but I mostly held myself together by reminding myself that it wouldn't last forever. Like that this is not always going to be the way it is. And so that helps me keep my mental health in a, in a good place. Um, the other thing I really love in this list and Tova, you have embraced this fully, I think is to find your fun and funny, right? Laughing, humor, whatever things you find hilarious, uh, whether it's stand-up comedians or, um, bad movies or read like reading comics. I don't know what you find funny and it doesn't yes, matter all of these things, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it makes you laugh. Right. And it makes you, reminds you of the joy in life and the humor that can be found anywhere, right? Like if we can laugh, we can um, get through almost anything, I think, um, even even the hard times. And, um, and find, also, I'll just add to that. Yeah. Find like the Instagram accounts, if you follow the people on social media that are funny, and then find people that you can share them with. Like yeah. I follow some like stat humor and Riley, you don't even get all of it because no. I don't send it to you because I have no. other people who love absurd dad humor as much as I do. And so like, you know, you can find humor wherever you want. Maybe it's like satire. Maybe it's not laugh right. out loud, but it like makes you chuckle a little or something. Yeah, you or... might be into like dark humor. Yeah, like whatever it is. Um, But what I will say is in my effort to laugh more, when I laugh on purpose, I then laugh more all the time. Mm -hmm. So if I'm following, you know, I follow people who make me laugh. I share things from people who make me Now people send me stuff that makes me laugh. But then if somebody says something funny in real life, then I just laugh. Like I'm just, my body is like, oh, we laugh at funny things. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. and, and it sort of primes you for it. Good. Like it, it feels good in your body. Yeah. Um, so figure, figure it out. And it's also just as an aside, it's fun to laugh with your kids. Yes. And yes, it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, you're watching a funny movie together. It can be like, I shared a, a reel or whatever the other day and was dying and we were all laughing. And, and then my kids know that there's space for them to tell jokes or yep. to share funny things. So it's fun to, and it's fun to laugh, forget your kids. Like just people in your life. It's fun to laugh. Yeah. Um, no, it feels good. It, it, it does feel good. So um, on that note, we will wrap it up because we're getting a little long today. Um, but I just want to remind everyone, you know, if you are struggling, if you are feeling, you know, sad or anxious or hopeless or anything, please reach out to a professional. Please seek help. You are not alone. There is no reason to suffer silently. Um there is no shame in seeking help. 
for your mental health, whatever might be going on in your life. So that's my PSA for, for getting and, help. And I know you're going to say homework and I know we're wrapping up. I'll just add one more thing. Let people in your life know, like not just professional. I mean, let professionals know, cause it's not like your friend's responsibility to be your therapist, but also let your friends know and judge, you know, this is me telling myself this, um, after this past weekend, judge your feelings less, right? So I felt bad telling people that I was lonely because I have this amazing village and I'm super grateful for it. And they're always there for me. Um, but that's how I was feeling. And I, you know, I felt bad telling people who live far away that what I really just needed is someone who'd be close by because that I wasn't asking them to like ditch their family and come for the day, you know, like, and so, but it's okay that I told them what I was feeling and also saying like, I don't need you to come here. I'm just telling you what I need. Um, and so it requires a lot of vulnerability mm-hmm. and that is scary, but any, anything you do related to mental health, if you're going to do it well to help yourself is going to require vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's like you said, it's scary and it's hard, but that doesn't mean uh, you can't do it. You certainly mm-hmm. can't. Um, so we will wrap it up there. Um, I want to share a little bit of homework. Uh, the first two things are pretty easy to do. One is to join our weekly women's circle. Um, if you don't follow us on social media yet, please make sure you, um, sign up and subscribe to our YouTube channel or, and, or follow us on Instagram at go boldly together. We did post a uh, survey to find out when a good time for another weekly circle would be. So if that's something that you have been interested in, but the time didn't work for you before, check it out. Let us know when does work for you. We would love to have you join us. You can also sign up for a free intake session with us to figure out what works best for you, what courses or groups or um, individual coaching would be best for you. Um, So make sure you go ahead and do that as well. And the homework for this week is to do a mental health inventory. So what I mean by that is to check in with yourself, all the things we just listed as self-care and basic human care. Um, Have a look at that in your life and see what are you doing to protect and improve your mental health and how can you um, take care of yourself in a, in a way that works for you. So reach out to us anytime. If you have questions, concerns, thoughts, we want to hear from you. As I said, you can follow us on Instagram at go boldly together. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and actually see us in real life and Tova raising her hand to talk, which was hilarious. Um, It's very important. Yes. And we will be back next week with another episode on how is your heart? So um, until then, everyone have a wonderful week and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. 
We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.